And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Champion contenders, we drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year, banner 12 plus 6 here. Fast PP. Top rookie, I'm saying it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to. The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I'm joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And we are coming to you Monday morning after a Celtics put together a real, I would say, bad is a word I'd use to describe their effort. Uh, against the Charlotte Hornets on Sunday afternoon. The Celtics have now lost two in a row. If you look on uh, Celtics Twitter, people are calling it the worst loss of the season, which I... I've seen some bad ones. That wasn't the worst. No, that was absolutely not the worst loss of the season. It's Part of me is like, this happens. It is a Sunday afternoon. If you go back and look at all the other Sunday starts at one, the Celtics just don't have a lot of effort in those games. They got the... Uh, shit kicked out of them by the Knicks one game. I think the Wizards did the same thing to them. I don't know what it is about Jason Tatum. Maybe he doesn't like the the early games. He doesn't get into the right rhythm. But the Hornets are not a team that you can kind of just show up and walk through. They have the best ball movement in the league and have like the highest assist percentage. It's just, I mean, you, you just saw that. Like it wasn't surprising what happened. Uh, they just didn't have it in the – I don't know, but I don't think it was the worst loss of the season. I'm trying to be positive about it. The only issue is they're losing games in the standings. So you can't have these losses, but it happened. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was the Hornets are the type of team. They will kick the shit out of you if you don't show up. Like they play hard enough. They share the ball enough. They're going to play good basketball. And, you know, sometimes they don't have enough talent to win. But if 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 you show up and you lollygag it like the Celtics did, you're in trouble. And they they punished the Celtics right from the start for not being sharp defensively. Third quarter, Celtics hit basically everything. Hornets scored, seemed like every single possession to stem stem the charge. And then the the end of the third quarter, just a disaster. Marcus Smart thought he got fouled, did not. Um, 
And then Charlotte goes the other way with, and it drills a basically half court buzzer beater, double pump, just a that goes lead goes from nine to twelve, and and then the Celtics just kind of gave in from there. So, yeah, the standings like it it seems very much like the Celtics have prioritized player health over everything else. Um, that said, they were mostly healthy against Charlotte and Robert Williams was the only guy out. Evan Fournier's back, although clearly not himself yet. Um, Jalen Brown played after missing time. Kemba Walker was back after missing the second night of back to back. So those are games like, like it's, it's tough to have a no show at this stage of the season when you're fighting to get out of the playing game, when you're fighting for home court advantage, and when the Knicks aren't losing and the Hawks are pretty much right there with them. So it was maybe not the worst loss of the season, but perhaps the most damaging so far. I mean, it's damaging in the context of the standings, but like they turned in some pretty shady performances earlier in the year. And I don't like necessarily think this is like the indicative of where they are as a team. They clearly have played a lot better basketball over the last couple of weeks. Jalen Brown pretty much had the same approach where it's like, yeah, we – we got our asses kicked in this one. They out hustled us and kind of just accepted that that was part of the thing. Like that's what happens in an NBA season. So it's not like too surprising. I guess you you want them to kind of ramp it up to playoff mode now, or you want them to win out the rest of the way. But um, when you when one of the players on your team thinks regular season regular season games are just horse poop, then it's hard to be like, oh, they're really going to get up for this 1 p.m. start in Charlotte. Like, I don't know. I've seen this happen way too many times in the NBA. Like, there's things as schedule losses. I don't really think the start time earlier should be that big a difference. But, I don't know. It's not indicative of what I think this Celtics team uh, is going to be moving forward, especially when they get their players back. I think the thing that's interesting about this last stretch is it feels like the Celtics have struggled a little bit more with Robert Williams not on – the floor they're three and three in his last in the Celtics last six games with him being out they're being very I don't have no idea what the actual injury is but it seems like they're being very cautious with uh the time lord there and so uh and it just means a lot more minutes in those games for Grant Williams and um Shemi Ojale and kind of Jabari, smart, Parker. Like, Jabari Parker who cannot play defense for to save his life uh just like we talk about this team, they just have a pretty small margin for error. And so when you invite this kind of the lesser players onto the court when, when these guys have injuries, it's not too surprising that they have kind of like um, perform under expectations. Like like what happened on a, a Friday night against Brooklyn. It's just like they had a kind of a worse roster. They staged a nice comeback. Peyton Pritchard did, made some nice plays, so did Tatum. But I don't know, they're, you're just playing crunch time minutes with Peyton Pritchard. You're not going to win a lot of competitive NBA games. Yeah, and the, the the one issue that's popped up a lot recently is the turnover issue, which has been just a kind of a weird trend for the Celtics. And I think some of it is just playing through different guys like Robert Williams. Um, some of it is the lack of shooting, especially earlier in the season, put a lot of pressure on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Some of it is Jalen is adapting to a bigger role and and he's more of a turnover guy than Tatum and Kemba but like I think Tatum has 20 turnovers 
combined over his last four games. That's that's that can't be happening right now. And even though you know one of those games was out without Kemba and Smart, and his usage has been pretty high, like he's not a high turnover guy. So for him to be having those issues right now is is strange. And some of them have popped up in the worst moments, like Marcus Smart just throwing it to no one in the corner. Um, Tatum just getting like I don't know what he was really doing just kind of dribbled it out of bounds with Kyrie standing at half court just like super careless turnovers at bad times and and it it has really cost us Celtics sometimes and it cost us Celtics during the playoffs last year like like it's one thing against the Nets in you know a month left in the regular season Last year, that happened all the time in the fourth quarter against the Miami Heat, against a 2-3 zone often. So the Celtics just, they have to be more careful with the basketball. They have to learn to value the basketball. Um, and that, like it's never been a problem for Brad Stevens' team. It's never been a problem for a team with Kemba Walker. But lately, and actually all season, but especially lately, it's been a major, major issue. The thing that is frustrating there is I just don't know how you coach turn the ball over less it's like no one's like you want the players to stay aggressive you want them to attack the rim you want them to be constantly like move the ball make decisions quickly do all of those things and then that just seems like it's going to result in a lot more turnovers I think how much of a product do you think it is just like Tatum and Jalen Brown are getting the basketball a lot more their usage I think Tatum's usage rate is uh clearly up and defenses putting a lot of two like two guys on Tatum, making him kind of pass out of double teams. Tatum is like getting all of the attention of other teams. And when you don't have great shooting around it, it's just harder to kind of punish that. And so it's just, it's, you would expect Tatum to have more turnovers. just like the more usage and the way defenses are playing him. Yes. But at the same time, like gotta be able to take care of the basketball. The, the pressure's on him to be that guy right and and it's just like and some of the turnovers are just so careless like the the one to Kemba in the backcourt against Charlotte that's just careless basketball that's a mistake like a middle schooler would make you you can't be doing stuff like that and giving up free points and do you think the careless mistakes is like indicative of not having championship habits and like there is reason to be concerned about lackadaisical performances uh, or just like assuming they can no, I, turn I, it on I, in the playoffs? I think for the most part, Tatum is sure-handed. For most of his career, he's been a very low turnover guy. I think some of the growing pains is he becomes more of an assist guy. And as, as the Celtics stress more passing and playmaking and, and all of that, like it's it's to be expected. But at the same time, like that can punish you. And, and it's – it does seem like like there are certain games when the Celtics are just so careless with the basketball and it shows up early in the game and it haunts them through the entire game. And like, it's just, it's, a, it's bad. It's bad sometimes. I say that's like a huge turn uh, problem is the turnovers. And then another thing is just on defense. It feels like when the defense is bad, they give up crazy three-point shots and just teams shoot the lights out from three against them, which is, I know it's like a big analytics discussion of whether or not they can actually 
reduce the opposing team's three-point percentage. But the Celtics have been pretty good at that for like a decade now, even before Brad Stevens. And it just feels like, as in the Hornets game, they're just getting destroyed from deep and pretty much like P.J. Washington had knocking down four threes. It feels like role players have just been knocking down open threes against the Celtics this entire season. Yeah, and their defense has been a lot better lately. Uh, you look at even the Nets game, like the Nets shot 36 point something percent during the second half of that game. And I know they were without a lot of guys, but but really like the only time the Nets got any great offense in that game was in transition. Um, so I, I think the Celtics defense, has, for the most part, has been much, much improved lately. They had a great performance against Phoenix, very good performance against Brooklyn, despite being in transition all game. And, and then, you know, you have the stinker against Charlotte. So I'm not sure that's been like a huge issue lately. To, to me, the, the turnovers have been more of a persistent issue. And like as the Celtics have gotten healthier, as they've used more versatile lineups, like their defense has actually been pretty good lately. I, I think they should feel pretty confident with that going into the playoffs. Um, but like they, they need to be able to take care of the ball. And, and maybe it's just as simple as like getting guys on the same page and getting guys healthy, but there's not going to be a lot of time to, to do that and figure a lot of stuff out. Yeah. It feels like they need to play top level defense to overcome the fact that they turn the ball over so much and don't get to the line and all kind of like the inefficiencies in their offense. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfum, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. There is not a lot of time left. What did the Celtics have? I think 12 more games as we're recording this. Uh, maybe let me count them out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven more games. And they are two games behind the uh, New York Knicks, two games behind the Atlanta Hawks, and currently tied uh, with the Miami Heat for sixth place. They do have two games coming uh, up. Uh, another Sunday afternoon start. So that's going to be dangerous. But Jay King, where do you see this playing out? Like, do you believe in the Knicks in their nine game winning streak? And like, is, is two games too far to kind of surmount for Celtics chances of making their four or five seed? What do you see happening with these four basketball squadrons? I, I mean, if you look at the Celtics schedule, they have, a stretch coming up where they could win a lot of basketball games. And I mean, if they're locked in, if they're healthy, if they're playing well, a homestand coming up against Oklahoma city, Charlotte, San Antonio, Portland, 
and Orlando, or then a, a road game in Orlando, like that's a opportunity to string some wins to, wins together. Obviously, there are a couple of pretty decent teams in that, but I just think like the schedule is set up for the Celtics. The schedule is not set up for New York. I think they still have like a six game Western Conference road trip left. Obviously, the Knicks have been playing great basketball, but but we'll see. Um, and the Hawks too, like they they've been playing great. They're both two games ahead of the Celtics as we record this podcast on Monday afternoon. And so the Celtics, they're in danger of being in the playing game. But if they can take advantage of the schedule, then they should be able to put themselves in pretty good position. Yeah, and it feels like the Knicks can't keep winning. Uh, mostly for my mental health, I need this to happen. Um, I'm just getting – I feel like the most irrational uh, is when I get as a fan, and I've caught myself doing this, is just people talking about how good the New York Knicks is. I don't know why that is. Normally I try to be pretty level-headed, but there's something about everyone talking about Knicks basketball that just really irritates the hell out of me. I think it's a deep-seated hatred of the New York sports fan. Uh, I came to age uh, with Yankees, Red Sox. I owned multiple Yankees suck shirts. Uh, a lot of my teenage years when I was learning to become a fan was uh, hatred of New York sports fans. And so the Knicks are living rent-free in my head right now with how many games they're winning I re- you were on the pod Basket Buds the uh, that was just released today. Uh, I was just enraged. I don't know why to think that Julius Randle is possibly considered All NBA first team. It just made me irrationally upset, and I try not to be an irrational sports fan, but I just can't get behind uh, him for NBA first team, and I just hate the fact that the Knicks are winning. And I do believe that they're going to get uh, lost on their West Coast trip, but I'm putting my hand up. Knicks are living rent free in my head right now. They just keep they just keep winning, and Julius Randle keeps putting up thirty five points. I don't know yeah, what to Ju- do. Julius Randle's been ridiculous, man. His stretch right here is just like where did it come from? I know he's been good all season, but he's he's hitting off the dribble threes. He's diamond up everyone. He has been just extremely good of late, and their defense is really good. Their offense has come to life. The Knicks. They're kind of scary. I don't know if scary is the right word, but but they're playing really well. <laughs> they're playing, playing very really well. well. Luckily, they go on a trip that's the Rockets, Grizzlies, Nuggets, Suns, Clippers, Lakers. Like, that is a gauntlet. And so, given the Celtics' schedule, you'd think they'd be able to make up some ground. The Hawks' schedule is a little bit easier. They do have two games left against the Sixers, but then they have, like, a pretty easy schedule. The thing that's crazy about the Hawks is that, like, Bogdan Bogdanovich is shooting like 50% from the field now. Like they are also playing well and Clint Capella is playing really well. I would expect if I had to predict, I feel like the Hawks given their two game lead and their easier schedule will probably get the four seed. And I think it's very important for the Celtics to get the five just because playing the Bucks in the first round or my God, if Miami catches them and they play in the play-in tournament, that's just – we talked about their margin for error. It's like you want them to start the playoffs having already played one or maybe two games uh, earlier in the week and getting no rest days. Brad was talking about wanting to get rest days for Tatum and things like that. You just add so much more um, if you are in that playoff game and play-in tournament, and then you have to – you win the right to play uh, either the Nets or the Sixers. It just feels like uh, – 
for the Celtics to be successful this year, be, given their all of their postseason accomplishments in recent years, it, to me as a Celtics fan, it feels like they have to get out of the first round, and it's so much harder to get out of the first round if you're not in that four or five game. Yeah, it, it, there is a huge importance on getting to that four or five game. Doesn't matter who they play, Hawks, Knicks, Heat, whoever, Charlotte. I would like them in any of those series. Like I, in any of those matchups, I could absolutely and already have talked myself into Celtics be, beating those teams just because I think the talent level is like pretty comparable and they are able to put it together. Uh, I have not yet talked myself into them beating the top three teams, although there are some scenarios with some injuries in the second round that I think uh, I've already mapped out the Celtics path to the finals, but uh, it becomes less and less realistic as they place uh, the better teams in the East. Yeah, and I mean, there's a huge gap between playing Atlanta or New York in round one and playing Brooklyn, Philadelphia, or Milwaukee. Just an enormous gap. And I mean, on the flip side, if you want to be the most optimistic type of Celtics fan, then maybe you want to catch Brooklyn early. Catch him early. If James Harden's not playing. Catch him early. When they're still a little banged up, when they haven't played with each other, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving barely at all, maybe you want to slip to the playing game, catch the Nets in round one, and knock them off while they're maybe slightly vulnerable. Now, that that is a path you'd only take if you expect the Celtics to meet the Nets at some point, and you're hoping that they would be most vulnerable in the first round. But... It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the worst idea to try it's to a catch high those guys. risk, high Fuck them while they're endeavor. while they're banged up. That's assuming a Celtics win in a uh, the playing tournament. Then we hold on. Then you get. Then you get maybe. Let, let's say they fall eighth, get in the plan, get the Nets in round one, then draw the winner of Hawks Knicks in round two. So they would have to lose the first playing game and then win the second one to get the eight seed. That's calling for them to throw the and, first and then game. beat a team with two MVPs and a many time all star. Yeah, maybe they're running into uh, the Wizards in that second game and Bradley Beal scoring thirty five points a game. The Wizards have also won nine in a row. Given the talk we've had about the Celtics' very slim margin for error, I think inviting uh, elimination games into the scenario is not the best idea, but I like that you're talking loco. I like that you're uh, thinking outside the box here, thinking outside the bun. And it's it's insane, but uh, I like it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, I mean, obviously, getting to the 4-5 or five round would, would be very, very beneficial, I think. Do you agree with me that, like, I think given where this team is and how inconsistent they've been, like a to me getting to the second round and having a competitive series against one of those top three teams, I think is like that would be a successful season. And uh, I, I like that's pretty much the most you can. But like, that's most only realistic because you downgraded your expectations for the season. Absolutely, but why wouldn't I have? Like they clearly haven't been healthy together. They haven't like played very consistent basketball. I'd be pleasantly surprised if they beat those teams, I think they can, but that would involve the team coming together and kind of playing amazing defense and all top seven guys being healthy, which is just not something I've seen. I think they can 
possibly do it, but um, I feel like them getting to that second round just makes me, from a fan perspective, have a, such a better uh, outlook on the season than if they get beat in the first round. Like if they just go and like lose in the to the Sixers or the Bucks in six games, then it's just like, well, this season was stupid. Like why? Like it's, it's already pretty stupid given all the injuries and COVID and all that stuff. But it just feels like, well, that was. Oh, why'd I, why'd I spend all time rooting for this team? But if they make some noise, I'm just looking for them to make some noise. And you can't make some noise unless you win a round of basketball. The other part, and this is getting a pretty – I mean, it's it's a real thing that they should probably be thinking about. They have to convince Evan Fournier to resign with them, which is their hope. And he hasn't played well. For them, he hasn't often gotten many touches for them, and obviously, you know, coming back from a case of COVID and what sounded like a tough case of COVID, and not not being right factors into that. But like, if you if you are hoping, and they are, to to get Fournier to sign a contract when he's a free agent this offseason featuring him or at least getting him the basketball sometimes and getting him to play some good basketball and getting him to have some playoff success would probably help those efforts. He's got to be involved in the making of the noise and you got to make some noise. So he resigns the thing. We haven't heard anything about his desire to resign. Like he did not sign with the Celtics. He got traded to the Celtics. I have not heard anything about Fournier, like automatically resigning, with the Celtics this offseason. The Celtics would like to do that just because of that way the salary cap works. But you're right. There's just a better feeling on the team if they make some noise and you can see some potential of this like core moving forward. If they just putter out in the first round, I don't know. I don't really blame Evan Fournier for being like, wow, that stay in Boston didn't really wasn't the most fun. And so it does feel like an important kind of just a subplot. Subplot to the final few games of the regular season and the playoffs. And then, like, how does it change the approach of Danny Ainge? It's like, well, this was a failed season. We got beat by the Bucks in five games or something like that. Or we made a different – like, we made a deep run, but we just ran into the Nets or, like, we couldn't – didn't have size for Joel Embiid. I don't know. Does it change the how eager he is to go and make a deal? Like, try to get off the Kemba Walker contract because, like, you're really trying to not do – a another year of like wasting the core of Jason and Jalen. I don't know. It just changes the, we're a big talker about, or I am a big proponent of vibe checking the making some noise in the playoffs definitely makes it more positive vibes around the Celtics, as opposed to if they lose early, the fans are pissed off and it's just the whole perspective changes. Everything changes. A lot of pressure, a lot of pressure going into these final games, going into the playoffs. Got, got to make a charge at, at the five seed. Or the four seed, got to do it. Got to take advantage of the upcoming home home stand. Got to pile up some wins there. Got to get Robert Williams healthy. Got to get Kemba Walker, keep him healthy. Got to get everybody just together on the right page, getting into the playoffs. It, it's not just important for the playoffs. There's a lot of pressure there. The vibes got to keep rolling, and so they can't play games at 1 p.m. anymore and I'm fine with that I'm willing to adjust but it's whether or not the Celtics make the adjustment we'll see what happens they do have this home stand coming up a back-to-back against the Thunder and 
the Charlotte Hornets and they're going to be without Kemba Walker against the Charlotte Hornets, but the Charlotte Hornets uh, is exactly where I want to start. I'm going to take the first pick for the potable six pack. And I just, my first pick is the excellent coaching performance by Nick Friedman in that game. I mean, Celtics fans thought the Celtics would just walk into Charlotte and outcompete a Nick Freeman coach team. And then they dropped 40 assists on him. And Nick Freeman's an offensive coach. Uh, I don't know if he had the specific scout of the Celtics, but I just think you got to give credit where credit is due. Sometimes you put your hand up, Nick Freeman outcoached me. And Brad said he was outcoached after the game. He didn't specifically mention Nick Freeman, but he said he was outcoached and Nick Freeman's part of the staff. So, you know, sometimes he runs to the best in the biz. Sometimes Nick Freeman gets the best of you. It's- and he's coming back. He's coming back home on Wednesday. He grew up in Cambridge and he's going to be coaching uh, in front of the hometown people. And what just- a homecoming. Honestly. Yeah. It's, that's going to be an emotional, charged homecoming. That's, I mean, he, he is one of the hottest coaches in the game. A, a coach who just forced Brad Stevens to, to basically kneel at the throne. And so he's he's the king king in the northeast right now. Yeah, and it's just sometimes you just got to like pay your respect. It's like, yeah, he's better. You can't run into talent like that. Your pick. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known Nick Friedman talk was coming. Should have known. Um I'm going with Marcus Smart throwing the basketball off a Hornets player's back on the inbounds pass. Bold, audacious move. You don't see that play very often. It worked out perfectly. He he got it. Everyone was kind of like bamboozled and then just left Kemba Walker wide open in the corner. Kemba missed it, but very nice play. I appreciate that type of of spirit and creativity. Um, and then second pick, the other end of the spectrum the insanity of the end of the third quarter. Yeah, that was not great. That was as as tough a final two and a half seconds or whatever it was as you can get. Um, I'm not sure whether Smart got fouled. They probably don't call that very often at all in like the final two seconds of a quarter, no matter what. But it is just bad luck that Charlotte got it and hit a double pump three from just inside of half court a moment later. And it, it was kind of just indicative of the way things went. And it was after a huge third quarter from Marcus Smart, too. Like, for the second they straight it to game, nine at that point. Like, they were had some sort of momentum. You kept on waiting for them to, like, make a final little bit of a run and close the gap. And then it was like, ah. Yeah, for the second straight game, he was just putting up a huge, huge third quarter, kind of dragging the Celtics back into a game after they were trailing by a lot, and then, bam, just like that, it's over. And and from that point on, you could see, like, the Celtics just, they had nothing left at that point. They were like, all right, we're, we're going to lose this one. Goodbye. Good night. We'll we'll try to get one at home on Tuesday. I mean, it was I, it's the great, it's the ups and downs of Marcus Smart. you got to respect him. I guess for the audacity of trying both of those things, uh, but uh, the second one really did not work out. For my second pick, I'm going to go with uh, giving credit to Paul Pierce for having normalized 
um, faking an injury after you poop your pants. Because Kemba Walker immediately ran off the court after doing something to his side. And I saw multiple people tweeting, oh, he just pooped his pants. He was covering it up. And I just was very amused by that, where people just accepted, like, that's something that happens in NBA games. Anytime anyone quickly runs to the locker room, they poop their pants. I just thought it was – I was amused. I'm a juvenile, I know. But uh, I to, to see multiple people tweeting about it just made me laugh. That was which, – which game was it? It was – was it one year ago, two years ago? I remember uh, Marcus Smart didn't start. It was either regulation or overtime. I forget which one because he was in the bathroom. And that cracked me up. I forget. I wish I remembered details of that story more. Um, but I, I can remember Smart coming out of the tunnel too late and they had to start someone else. It's always funny because oh, when – by the way, Jason Tatum just – got news of this jason tatum is out for the game against the thunder so is kemba walker out with a left side strain robert williams could come back though questionable and this team is just uh keeps on trucking the hospital celtics uh making it hard to keep winning that is a at least time lord is back but the ankle and the side from kemba and jason tatum is not great maybe this means that they can play the game against the Hornets. And so maybe this is Brad kind of giving these guys some rest. Um, yeah, they're playing the Thunder too. So it could definitely be just rest. And we've like, we had the fight earlier in the year where it was like, do you rest Kemba on the front night of a back to back with him running off the court and making a big deal about his side? Like, you have an easy way of just being like, all right, let's give him a rest game here. I also just like to note, I'm recklessly speculating here. I have no idea the seriousness of Tatum's left ankle impingement or Kemba Walker's side or anything like that. So at least Robert Williams is back. That is good news. He's what questionable. Uh, And so you would imagine he would play in the next two games, but uh, that is interesting. I mean, it is the thunder as long as they don't give up 20 and 20 uh, to Robert Moses, Robert Morris, Morris Brown. What's his name? Moses Brown. Moses Brown. I knew that there's a, baseball team in middle school we played in moses brown i think they're in rhode island that uh we would always lose to because we're bad um i guess we could do that as my final six-pack team the honorable mention has to go to jared sullinger just putting up 40 and 13 in a south korea game and looking slim just looking like a fit jared sullinger not the player we really knew in boston uh he apparently learned how to stop snacking and so uh credit to solid jared sullinger for uh putting that together yeah, so he, I mean, he he took a couple of years off of basketball. Um, I think he like just concentrated on being a father and being a family man, and and now getting back into this things looks like he's in legitimate shape, tip top shape. Yeah, so salute to Sully. Sully, how old is he these days? I have no idea, but I've got to be. I think he's around. He's, he's over 30, right? No, he's definitely in his 20s. There's no way he's in his 30s. 29. Eric Sullinger comeback season next year? Playing it, his it, way? It could be Sullinger comeback season. Man, if, Why he, not? Could, if, Why if not? he can knock down the three consistently, he made four in that uh, South Korean game. So we're hoping for it. We'll, we'll, if Jared Sullinger does come back, we'll be here to talk about it. Uh, we'll be here to celebrate 
the return of Jared Sullinger. We'll also be here to talk about whatever the hell happens in the Celtics next two games. Apparently they'll be without Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker. And so we'll see if they have enough, a team with very small margin error, have enough to beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then, I mean, if you thought it wasn't hard enough, Nick Friedman and the Charlotte Hornets are coming to town on the second night of a back-to-back. We'll see if the Celtics are able to do that. Whatever happens, Jay King and I will be back later in the week to break it all down. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you liked it, tell a friend, rate it five stars, subscribe, do all the fun podcast stuff, do it for us. Because uh, we really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to this episode of As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.